This is Acts of Faith. Every day, World Team works to transform communities, make disciples, and reach the unreached. Our unique teams innovate, multiply, and expand the reach of the gospel. Our vision and aim? To make Jesus known. Together, we share the hope of the gospel on a global scale by meeting the needs of communities. These are our acts of faith. World Team's passion and calling for reaching the unreached with the gospel means that many of our teams serve in closed countries with major restrictions on evangelism. Our guest on this episode serves in Central Asia among Muslim people and cannot use his real name or specific location. The challenges he faces will compel you to pray, give, or even go. If you could just introduce yourself and how long you've been with World Team, we'll, we'll start from there. My name is Larry. I've been with World Team uh, since 2012 and been overseas in an assignment of sorts since uh, fall of 2014. So we've been overseas now for seven years. And how'd you get connected with World Team? I was finishing up my bachelor's degree in biblical studies uh, through distance learning. And in one of my courses, my classmate was a World Team missionary. And it was through that class correspondence that I got to know this classmate better. And me and my wife were looking to serve overseas. So outside of class, I talked to this guy and he connected me to a mobilizer. And then we just got full speed on connecting with WT and ended up attending race later that year. What was your work experience, education prior to joining World Team? We got married young, me and my wife. So our school was a little hodgepodge. But um, so I entered the workforce so that way my wife could finish her education. She's a nurse by trade. And for myself, I have a bachelor's in biblical studies. And my work experience was in a book distribution factory. How would you describe your role on the field? In Central Asia, there are a few local churches that are functioning and, and healthy, but because of the tradition of Russian Orthodox because of the Soviet Union in the area, they're not very much, they're not very intentional in outreach themselves. And so we're very much on the front lines for doing evangelism work. And also because our field has only been in existence, re-existence with World Team for less than three years, we're still in the language learning stage. And so as our language gets better and better, we're having better and better conversations, and making better friends. But that's, that's where we're at at the moment. What are the, some of the challenges of language learning that you're facing? Most of the nations in the area are dual language politically. And so to learn a Turkic language, which is uh, the people of Central Asia are Turkic peoples, can be difficult, especially if you're staying in a larger city. In the larger cities, Russian is, is the dominant language. And so learning Turkic languages in those places, there are a few barriers, mainly the amount of people that speak them are, are fewer. But when you go out to the regions, that is the predominant language that people speak is one of their Turkic languages. And so this type of study 
and diligence to learn these languages is well worth it and will bear fruit in the long run. But in the meantime, in the large capital areas, um, it can be difficult at times. So let's talk about the people in Central Asia. Do you find that they are welcoming to you? Are they open to having any conversation with you? Or are there barriers that you have to break down before you can really meet with people? For the most part, peoples of Central Asia are very hospitable, very welcoming, very kind. They will sacrifice in order to host you, meaning that they're living off of a meager income, but their style of hosting requires buying a lot of food and making a big meal and hosting well. And this is a sacrifice that they're more than willing, actually eager to do. So it's a joy to serve among them. What about spiritual conversations? Are, are, the, are they open to talking about the gospel, talking about Christianity? As far as spiritual conversations go, especially for men, they can happen really quickly. They happen for women rather quickly as well. That is because of the predominance of the Islamic religion in the area. Since the fall of the Soviet Union, the, these nations have had more and more Islamic influence uh, coming in. And what they see is taking them back to their roots. And so because of their Islamic beliefs, they're more than happy to discuss religion. The problem comes with having spiritual conversations and taking it to the gospel and taking it to Jesus in that using the word Christian can bring some, some negative connotations that are actually incorrect just because of things that they've heard in the mosque or from their different various teachers or parents, uh, those who are influencing the way they think. So sometimes we have to be more nuanced in the way that we talk. However, um, we never want to be ashamed of our Savior. And so we are good to admit that we're Christians because they will come right out and ask us, especially as being Caucasian Americans, they assume that we're Christians. And so we take that as a starting place, kind of much like uh, maybe some of the listeners have heard about when people reach out to tribal peoples, they try to find any sense of truth that they have about a, a big God and reform and reshape that through the biblical narrative. We have to do that the same way with our Muslim neighbors. Uh, take the word Christianity and these different biblical truths and redefine them for our neighbors because the Muslim teachings have created a erroneous concept in their minds of what what these terms mean. How has COVID impacted ministry for you? COVID in Central Asia has been an issue, or it was an issue. Currently, it's mostly a non-issue. As far as uh, interacting with people nowadays, things are back to normal. Another reality was uh, that we had a complete lockdown for a number of months, and um, the reality of significant portions of the population relying on bizarre trade. Um, The governments just cannot keep uh, bazaars closed for that long because people start to starve. And so they found themselves in a catch-22. Do we let people starve for the sake of not getting sick or do we just risk this disease spreading because people need to work so they can eat? It did also impact our language learning because institutions remained went online and remained online. And so our language learning programs, we had to do online. 
anyone who's learned a language will tell you that face-to-face -face language learning is better. There's just a nuance you can learn to hearing clearer and seeing the way lips move and tongues slide in the mouth that improve uh, language learning. Did that open up any doors for spiritual conversations, especially with all the, the suffering going on and the questions about what things were going to look like in, in the near future with COVID? COVID definitely provided opportunities for Christians to love their Muslim neighbors. Even local churches got involved. So it wasn't just expats who are there to share Jesus, but local churches were also trying to pool their funds and everybody was trying to get groceries into these impoverished areas, the ones that were suffering the most, in order to show the love of God to them. And while in any strong religious culture that is anti the gospel, uh, anti Jesus, might be opposed to this type of love, it was overall received quite well by people and created opportunities to build relationships in these communities for believers. And that and a lot of those are still ongoing to this day, even after a couple of years. What excites you about ministry in Central Asia? What, what, what are the things that keep you going when things get difficult or security issues come up? What, what does God lay on your heart to keep you going in ministry every day? It's true. Ministry does get hard, but God is good. And he has wired each of his saints for the good works that he lays out before them. And he sustains them in that. And his grace and kindness uh, is everlasting. And so in those tough days, one really needs to just drive into the word of God and really plead for God to speak powerfully, to bring his truth in a way that reinvigorates the soul and keeps you pressing on. What excites me the most is the need, actually. And so you might say that that could lead some people to despair when they see that all of Central Asia, doesn't matter what country you're looking at, is high 80s or even high 90s percentile uh, Islamic. And so the need is great. Almost everybody in the region is a Muslim. And um, while the work to be done is huge and the need for gospel witness is huge, uh, this actually is life-giving to me. It means that our presence there is meaningful. It means that when we sow gospel seed and we water them and we hope and we pray that Christ's sheep will hear his voice and he's promised that they will we're confident that he's going to build his church in central asia and when we step back out of our own little focus and dream uh, with god we can see that reaching out and loving these turkic peoples not even just the turkic peoples there's so many unreached peoples in the area that if we can mobilize more workers to come and join us, I really believe that the, the field is ripe for harvest. If more and more workers come and join us uh, and we can create more teams to spread out, to reach out, to be focused on these different peoples, the, the possibilities are endless of what God can and, 
and might do. And so thinking about the big picture, stepping back, looking at the lostness and knowing the true hope that we have in the gospel, that we have in Jesus Christ. We just celebrated Easter. All of us it should be fresh on our minds, the power of the resurrection. And these Muslims are dead in their sins and they need the power of the resurrection to bring them out of that death into the marvelous kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. And so if we look at the darkness of the world, especially in Central Asia, which can take great hope that God's light is going to shine right there. You mentioned the need for workers to be raised up. What kind of people do you need on the field in Central Asia right now? What kind of people can have an impact in ministry there? Who do we need? Well, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not picky. (laughs) Anybody who has an interest in a heart for the lost and uh, from that vision I was just casting uh, about the possibilities of what God wants to do in a dark place is welcome to, to have a chat with us and see how they could fit in and how God has wired them, especially to join us in the work. And I would also just uh, add on to that, that specifically, you know, all believers are called to witness and testify to Christ to evangelize. And so we welcome anybody willing to do that. We'll help anyone become better equipped to do that with Muslims. And we'll help anyone struggle through throes of language learning. But that being said, I also would especially welcome anyone who feels highly gifted with the gift of evangelism, because as this is really where we're at at this point, we need people who are gifted in evangelism. Another thing that would be helpful for anyone considering to come work with us is deep-rooted resilience. And this doesn't even have to be in your own way that you're wired or in your character but if you have a resilience that you can lean upon that comes through christ because you are so attached to him remember christ is the vine and we are the branches and so if you stay attached to him and you can keep a nourished enriched life in him then then i'd say you're well suited to come join us uh, because it's by that attachment that uh, we will stay resilient in in a place that is hard what do you see as the, the future of work in Central Asia moving forward, if you can touch on that? It's going to be impactful among the people. We're going to, our language will increase. We'll have teammates coming and joining us. Uh, we have one in the pipeline now that should arrive early next year. And we just anticipate that to continue to grow as we're getting more and more interest in the work there. It's also because we're moving out of the language learning stage, we'll be looking for business platforms. There's really two, two main ways that we want to see world team functioning in the area. It's through business and through maybe English teaching. And so right now our brains are reeling to try to come up with business ideas that will keep us mingling with people. We want to do legitimate business. I think it's dishonest when we go to hard places and don't do legitimate business. This is a necessity. And it also blesses the people and helps the economy, provides jobs, and even the interaction, the intimate interaction you get with employees creates awesome incubator for gospel sharing and witness uh, because they see your life very intimately when you work together hours on end. 
but it also uh, we want to create businesses that get us interacting with people in our neighborhoods more so that way it's a natural place to build relationships to hang out with them outside of the business place later on and then language learning uh, english just helps anybody for their future because it's such a, a pivotal language for the workplace in the world and increasingly so with the migrant workforce online people can find good jobs if they can speak good english and so the possibilities of having a language center in order to build relationships and communities uh, is also a huge thing another huge possibility for our area is actually through collaboration with another world team field we have people who are discipling central asian bible college students who want to go back to their home countries to preach the gospel of jesus and so we also see this as a developing area in our fields where we can collaborate more and more for the sake of the gospel and where we would have local partners who are coming back who need our help in business coaching so that way they can support themselves in their gospel ministry and where we need their help to connect with us and help us with our cultural blunders and language inefficiencies. I think it's going to be a beautiful partnership and can't wait to see what the Lord does with this collaboration. How can people be praying for you and for the ministry in Central Asia and for the people of Central Asia? A huge part of working with Muslims is that uh, research has shown that it takes a number of times for them to be confronted with the gospel before they come to faith. Now, this is obviously, humanly speaking, God can open eyes and change hearts, drop of a hat, but statistically, uh, it takes time. And so people need to be praying for the longevity of our work. Pray, pray that we would find favor in the eyes of these governments, that visas would be given for the sake of the longevity of our work, that we can keep these relationships going, keep them building, and and obviously pray for good soil in the people of Central Asia's hearts. Pray that the gospel seed lands on this good soil, takes root, the roots grow deep, and it bears fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. To learn more about opportunities to serve with World Team across the globe, go to us.worldteam.org and click Go at the top of the page. To see prayer requests from World Team workers, click Pray. This has been Acts of Faith, a podcast by World Team U.S. For more information on World Team and its ministries, visit us.worldteam.org.